I'm Jason Asher. This is the Barneys Podcast, the show that celebrates fashion, style, culture, and most of all, personality. I'm the resident makeup artist at Barneys. I don't work for any brand in particular. I help my clients look their best by selecting products from all the various brands that we carry. Over 18 years at Barney's, I've been exposed to many trends in beauty, but something really important to me that I don't think will ever go out of style is conscious beauty. Conscious beauty is the idea that we should be mindful about what we put on our skin and that we want to look like the best version of ourselves inside and out. Gucci Westman feels strongly about this too. I'm a big ingredient person and I would never be able to do a brand and fully stand behind it if it didn't have this ethos of being clean and consciously crafted. What goes in everything? Is it necessary? Is it going to enhance the performance? Gucci Westman is the go-to makeup artist for celebrities like Drew Barrymore, Natalie Portman, and Gwyneth Paltrow. She's not only a pro when it comes to the application of makeup, she also makes and formulates it. Her new beauty line is called Westman Atelier. But her interest in makeup goes back to her childhood, when it was something she wasn't even allowed to wear. Of course, if your parents tell you you cannot do something, you're absolutely going to do it. And uh, that's the experience that I had. I remember getting on the bus and borrowing makeup from all of the girls because I grew up in Sweden. And I would do everyone's makeup on the bus during the bus ride because it was an hour and a half to get to school. I would do their makeup, then I would do my makeup, and... I would have so much more makeup on than anyone else because I was not allowed to wear it. So it was just so much more enticing and exciting. And I did get caught one day. My mom saw me with like full-on black eyeliner, pink lipstick. She's like, Gucci Westman. (laughs) Yeah, I had a similar experience too, not personally, but the girls that I knew Mm -hmm. um, would leave the house looking cute and preppy. Mm Mm-hmm. But in the car, when one girlfriend picked the rest up, in the car they would have, you know, it was the 80s, so, you know, the, the rubber bracelets. Madonna. And the black eyeliner mm-hmm. and the heavy mascara and the gloss, you know, mm-hmm. lip gloss. And, you know, put the rag up in the hair like she did. I did that, so, too. I and then you'd have, to, you'd have to remember to take it all out before they got home. Uh-huh. You know, it's not it. easy. Yeah, that that was—it's part of growing up. And um, also makeup is such a powerful tool for people to either transform them themselves or enhance how they feel about themselves, you know, rather than like a superficial business. I look at it as something that can make women feel better. And thank goodness for makeup. I mean, I have really a lot of problems with my skin at the moment, and I'm just so grateful for, you know, my line and creating products that, you know, hopefully soothe the issues. (laughs) your own skin problems Mm -hmm. that you are having now did Mm -hmm. you have problems when you were that age too or has always been something that you wanted to fix or change or no you know I was very lucky with my skin all growing up I didn't even own foundation in my own personal makeup bag I did obviously in my my working bag but um I never needed to use it for myself and then about I would say three years ago I I sort of um, I think it had something to do with my having children and uh, hormones, and I don't know. You know, it's like uh, I, some doctors say it's rosacea. I, I don't know. It's a very sort of gray area, and it's really frustrating. And is that essentially what led you to want to create, um, you know, a line that was based on conscious beauty, pure ingredients? Well, I, I always was probably going to do that even if I didn't have skin issues because growing up, I did live on an ashram when I was little, and my parents grew all of our vegetables, our fruit in, you know, in Sweden. 
um, themselves. We didn't use pesticides. We got the milk from the farm up the road. They made their own cheese. Everything was very sort of pure and and kind of thoughtful and we knew what was in everything. And, you know, I never had meat. My parents have been vegetarian pretty much since they were teens, you know, or early 20s. And so it's always been a very big part of my life to know, you know, what's in that or is that good for you? But as well as being aware of ingredients, I do like to, um, you know, indulge. And if, you know, I like to have a glass of wine or a once in a while, a, a piece of cheese or chocolate, but it's it's kind of like the consistency, and and being really kind of I guess balanced in your lifestyle, uh, you know. So I always say eighty twenty because you never want to miss out if you're in. I don't personally. If you're in Italy, I want to have the best pasta in the world. Of course, and that kind of um, philosophy is natural for me to carry over to our makeup brand, our atelier. So what led you to makeup? What led you to think that this is something I might want to do with my life? Was there a, a person that introduced it to you or a place that you went? Well, so when I was 18, I moved to Switzerland for a year. And I, I specifically moved to this family as an au pair because the woman advertised that she had horses and that I would be able to ride as well as look after the children. And, of course, I was never once allowed to ride her horse because she said, I'm really sorry, not today, every day for a year. She was actually a really wonderful woman, but she was a fashion critic for a Swiss publication, and she would bring me to fashion shows. She would get boxes and boxes of makeup sent to her because she had to sort of do write-ups, and she would give it all to me because she didn't wear any makeup. She would just look at them and say, here you go, here you go. So there would be boxes every day in front of my bedroom, like Guerlain, Dior, Clarence, all these amazing right. houses, and I was just completely sold. I was mesmerized, and I said to her then when I was 18, I think I, I would like to maybe go to makeup school because I was actually always weirdly good at doing makeup on my friends, yes. and I was good at drawing and painting. And as I kind of, as time went on, I, I discovered that I was actually better at drawing three-dimensionally it was and I loved having the connection with people mm -hmm. and I, there's something really rewarding about making them feel better about themselves and just that joyful moment where they love how they look and they feel so much brighter and better so I said to her I, I think I want to go to makeup school can you help me and so she helped me find a school in Paris that I then didn't go to for another four years mm -hmm. but I did end up going because I thought if I'm not good at makeup, at least I won't have wasted my time. So I made sure to do the course in French. So there you have it. Tell me about some of the experiences you had when you first got into makeup, about personalities that you met, uh, makeups that you did, jobs that you took mm -hmm. that sort of directed your life or changed the way you viewed makeup or skincare. Yeah. Or... So I, I did end up going to this makeup school in Paris that it was absolutely life-changing for me, and I learned so much. It was incredible. But I do remember one day the, our head teacher said, you know, this is a business for um, homosexual men, and you women in the room will probably not be as successful in this industry. And I have to say I kind of used that adversity as a little bit of fuel. So that was always in my belly as a little bit of, you know, fire. Right. And um, I then ended up going to 
L.A. I didn't know if I wanted to do fashion. Of course, I was more kind of enchanted by the fashion side of it, but I also was intrigued by cinema and special effects and things like that. So I ended up getting an internship at a special effects lab, and we were asked to go and do a puddle of mud for a Vanity Fair shoot with Annie Leibovitz. And Laurie Goldstein was the stylist, and we, we started talking, and I was only there mixing blood, you know, getting the right color, because it was like kind of a detective picture. And Laurie and I became friendly, and then I saw Laurie again on another Vanity Fair shoot where I was assisting a makeup artist called Paul Starr, and Laurie said, you know, I like you. And I was like, oh, that's nice, you know, and and she said, you can do special effects, too. And I said, yeah, I can. And then maybe three months later, I get asked to do assist. Um, I think it was Paul Starr again for a Vanity Fair cover in Houston with the Olympic athletes. So this was, I guess, in 19, would it be 1994, maybe? I remember that, that cover. It was yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, 90s. And I arrive, I get picked up in a limousine at, at the airport, and I was like completely, I didn't even know I what. the big time. Yeah. Well, I was just like, this is incredible. <laughs> and I had like one pair of pants with me and one T-shirt, you know, because I was only staying one, one night. And I was super well prepared, and I went to show Annie Leibovitz, and Lori was the stylist again. I went to show them all these different types of mud because I was supposed to do mud on a mountain biker. And I I was so well prepared and I really thank myself for kind of like I said, so this is Texan dirt, you know, we're in Houston. This is the dirt that um, he would have on the bike if he was biking in the mountains because there's more acid and mineral. And I had so much kind of knowledge on the dirt because I thought this is all I'm doing. I better do it right. And then the next day, they said, you know, we've canceled the other makeup artist. You're going to do the cover. And I was like, what? And and so then I got a cover of Vanity Fair. And so that kind of changed things for me. And I ended up, Annie Leibovitz had me stay for a month with her and do her Olympic athlete book. And I had one pair of pants and one T-shirt. And I had no money at the time. So I had to ask my roommates to to FedEx, you know, my clothes to me. And it was it was crazy. We went on this tour with all these Olympic, you know, athletes, and I met everybody. And it, I just, you know, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> and it led you to some amazing celebrities, which you, you do now. Yeah, People. well, I think it was just kind of all of the pieces kind of started to fall to, in place. And at the same time, I actually started working with Spike Jones. I ended up doing a movie called Being John Malkovich, mm-hmm. which— was really kind of extraordinary Cameron experience. Diaz. Yeah. And making trying to make her look unattractive and dowdy was really fun, you know. And and I do still feel that today my philosophy in when I do makeup, I love to visualize a, a narrative and a character. And I find it so much easier to be inspired by a specific narrative. But, you know, just kind of having ideas of like how can we make Cameron Diaz not look so pretty? And like giving, making a tooth implant, but that was still kind of cute and giving her brown contact lenses and adding hairs to her eyebrows to make them bushy and all of these kind of elements that were so kind of subtle, but so 
kind of important for a character. Yeah, it's, and like, to it's m- like doing makeup in reverse. Like, yeah. What, what can I do to make you look worse, not better? Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun and just learning so much. And I mean, I, I guess I have so many stories, but um, really it, timing is just kind of, there's so many shining stars mm-hmm. in the world, but if the time isn't right, you don't necessarily get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You have to also be so sensitive as a makeup artist. I'm sure you... Of course. You know, Jason, like, you're sort of like a therapist. You're a little bit of a therapist, you're, absolutely. You're so many things. You have to be so fast and so, you know, you have to be a kind of a magician, which is kind of cool to think about it in that way, that you have to just magic up, you know, and just make someone feel good about themselves when they look in the mirror, walk mm-hmm. out the door. You know? Yeah. And that's that's it's the really gratifying thing about doing makeup. Mm-hmm. We're also excited at Barney's to be launching this product called Westman Atelier. And I also love the philosophy that you can hold three or four of these products in your hand at yeah. the same time. Yeah. And pretty much do your entire face, do mm-hmm. your complete makeup, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I, I really wanted to start with the complexion story because over the years, it's I the guess i most I've, important part of makeup. Yeah, I, I mean, beauty. and I've, absolutely, and I've kind of become, I guess, known more or mostly for skin, which I don't want to limit myself to that, but it is kind of the truth. And I remember speaking to Bobby Brown two years ago and I said, you know, I want to start this line and I think I want to start with skincare. And she said, that's ridiculous. And I was like, Bobby. And <laughs> That's so and, like her because I've worked for her too. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. She's she incredible. She's my, my what first. a firecracker. Um, and she said, that's ridiculous because you are known for skin. You are a makeup artist and that's where you need to start. And then I said, fine, I'll do hybrid products. So, you know, she she had a point and I feel we consider our products as cocooning skincare and makeup. And that's always how I've worked with makeup. I've always blended different textures, added a certain amount of skincare to the color products to create this kind of like finish on the skin. You know, and as you said, holding three products and doing, you know, I I feel like it's a canvas. It's a complexion story. Then it allows you to play and build upon that. Right. You do feel like an artist. You have these three pigments in your hand and your brush in the other hand. Let's talk about the actual products themselves and what they do and yeah. just break it down a little bit. Um, so I guess my personal baby, my the Vital Skin Foundation Stick, was so important for me because, as I mentioned, I have, you know, these skin issues. And I don't—I'm not really a big makeup person. I mean, today I'm wearing mascara, but I don't wear a lot usually. But this became some a necessity for me to wear foundation— and I wanted a foundation that was not only clean and free of specific toxins and chemicals, but I also wanted it to have active ingredients. I want them to actually to do real. something. Yeah, because I didn't see the need to create a product that only simply kind of corrected an issue. I wanted it to actually fix an issue, you know, like not just cover. I wanted it to, to really fix the, the issue or at least help. You know, so it helped prevent inflammation. inflammation. I I feel a lot of us suffer from inflammation. A lot of us suffer from irregularities in texture and all these kind of like tones. And it's calming for redness, inflammation. It's protecting you against pollution. Mm -hmm. It's long-term hydration. So there's so many things. And I also feel 
that we have a baby and I feel comfortable with her kissing me wearing this. It's not like, oh, don't kiss me. It's it's toxic. It's, it's full of parabens. There's <laughs> endocrine disruptors. Don't kiss me. You know, the products are safe, which is such a huge part of this brand for me that I have to be super happy and confident with each product. Which is great because I do have a lot of clients that come in when they're first pregnant and they're like, I really want to watch what, what I put I'm on my wearing, skin. And I want to know what's things in Things that are more yeah. clean. Mm-hmm. What do you have to offer me? And there was a time when we didn't have much. Mm-hmm. We had some skincare, but we yeah. didn't have any color. I think the buyers had a hard time Color's finding hard. color that was mm-hmm. also luxury and mm-hmm. that also worked and looked nice on the hand. The packaging was good. Yeah. Um, all of that. So color it's great to have hard. this. It's, um, it's a really kind of a complicated one because there just hasn't been enough interest up until now. It's... It's getting bigger and bigger, and some of the people that we are working with on our team are saying that all they hear is these big heads of these big companies are saying, how can we change our products? How can we re-kind of consider our, our, some of our, you know— Formulations and, and you just like see that. that from time to time. You'll see now without so and so. Now totally pure. Now yeah. clean. Yeah, and I think it's not going away. It's mm-hmm. just going to get bigger. So it feels good to um, to be part of the the movement. Are there specific ingredients that you said I'm absolutely not putting this ingredient in any of my products? Oh my god, there. Are, I think we have four pages at the four moment. Pages. You know, and it's but it's interesting because it's constantly evolving. People are savvy. They're asking questions. They want to know what what's in their products. Why is it in their products? Are there better alternatives? What is the sustainability? Um, what is the supply chain? You know, all of these types of questions that, you know, we need to be prepared to answer. And Where the ingredients are sourced from, who's making them, how yeah, old are they? Absolutely. absolutely not tested on animals? How old are they? Animals? Exactly. That's an, Yeah. There's there's so many variables, but all I can say, because I don't want to get, you know, called out by people, all I can say is that I am completely transparent, and I feel like we've put a lot of integrity into each product, a lot of thought, and each ingredient is necessary for the performance and for that kind of sensorial relationship that you have with a product, and you need to feel that way as a woman. I, I need to feel that kind of joy that moment where you're like oh this makes me look better this makes me feel better i love how it the texture the smell everything um but i'm trying to to make the products as clean as possible and without sacrificing luxury at all no yeah i I really wanted it to feel kind of you know like special and not a throwaway piece and that you know you can really trust these products and and that's one of the big issues I feel, and I know the challenges. I, I am dealing with them constantly every day. But a lot of these brands that are natural or organic, I wouldn't necessarily be able to trust them to use on, you know, like a, a celebrity to go to an event right. that's going to last all night because I don't, it feels like dry. Gummy or... There's just something that's not quite right. And I want the, I've been exposed as you have Jason, to the most gorgeous textures in the world, Beautiful. you know, and so then I would never be able to settle for some dry, cakey, messy, muddy looking, you know, products. So we have made, you know, certain certain compromises, but I feel good about them. For mm-hmm. example, we have like, you know, in the Baby Cheeks Blush, this particular lab in Italy came up with a special technology that I was the first to use for this specific reason 
to to coat a certain pigment so it never came into contact with your skin. Like a sphere. It's yeah, it's like a kind of a, a coating, like a shield, like in nature. Like if you consider a leaf that is kind of like waterproof in a way, it doesn't, you know, like when it's a waxy leaf, for example. But that was a really nice kind of process because I sat with a chemist, kind of went through all of the options, and I said, I need to have beautiful color. And what can we do? And so this was our solution. And listen, every day, hopefully, we will have more alternatives and raw materials that, you know, can replace some of these questionable ingredients. So you have children. Yes. You're now you're the CEO of a burgeoning company. Oh, my gosh. You have a very busy following. Yet you say that you take about 10 minutes to get yourself out the door. <sighs> or makeup is concerned anyway. Yes. So tell me about your routine. Starting in the morning? Yeah. So... Sometimes my husband and I meditate together when we wake up, you know, before we wake the children up, which is nice. And then there's breakfast for them and getting them out the door. Then I usually go to hot yoga. After that, I have a hot and then freezing cold shower, usually because I feel like it really is helpful for my skin and my circulation. And it's been proven to to have so many benefits in, in Sweden where I... can bear I, it. It's like a quick spa minute, you know. Yeah, and it really is rejuvenating. And in Sweden where I grew up, it's all the really old people do it. And I feel like if they, they're that old and they look that good, it must be working. Open the pores, <laughs> close the pores. Yeah, and just, you know, it's kind of like the circulation, I think, is so important. As far as, you know, makeup and skin, I, I really like to multitask. So I often do a mask while I'm in the shower, you know, moisturize. Then for my makeup routine, I am so fast. It's kind of like, oh, we got to go. So it's, you know, I I use basically my, the only thing I use are my products except for a mascara also that I'm developing now that's really amazing, which I'm so super excited for you guys to see and try. Um, But I'll kind of correct my my skin and then I'll go in with a little bronzer usually now because I like to, I, I can't tan like I used to, but I I love being tan. So hence my bronzer and the super loaded and it's so easy. And I kind of just do a quick fix. And I feel like um, the the bronzer, the way I do it is I kind of just go over the forehead and the eye, you know, the eyelids under the lids, the cheeks and it bridge of nose. And it kind of looks more like a tan as opposed to makeup. Yeah. And then I kind of give myself a little bit Some of baby cheek. Yeah. A little bit of uh, kind of contour, Glow, highlight, blush with the super loaded on top of that because then it gives a little bit of like luminosity so it's not matte. And what do you put on your lips, if anything, or just lip balm? I've been using my baby cheeks on the lips in in Petal. This is my daughter's name. It's kind of like a rose. And it kind of just is lip color but enhanced. Yeah, which is my favorite kind of lip. Uh, me too. I love like a natural yeah. brown-based rose lip. Me neutral, too. Just like looks like bitten lips. Yes, exactly. Like your like children's lips. Yes. Tell me about some of the things that you see in makeup and trends today in, in beauty that mm-hmm. you wish would go away. Do I know have, people ask me that all the time. Do you have a few hours? <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I Listen, I, I enjoy watching the evolution and it always goes around, mm-hmm. you know. And all bottoms will be back. Yes, exactly. It's, you know, it's fashion at the end of the day. But I I wish sort of like the concept of people having to transform themselves Mm -hmm. to gain approval. Mm -hmm. I wish that that would go away. 
because that's just not a good message for we have three children and I I don't want my girls to you it was know, great live for Kevin Aquan's book, but in yeah, real but life, a, we don't need to look like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, but it's cool because that was— Kim Kardashian. Yeah, it was, but it was his kind of expression of just showing what an artist he was, and and that was different. But this is kind of like just going to buy a coffee, and you have to be fully done up. And I just—I mm-hmm. don't like how fake everything is. You know, I love enhancing myself mm-hmm. like any other person, like in feeling like you look better, but not like you have to look different. You, you know, what's the need? Like, just be confident. Work with what you have. And there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about. So, your name, Gucci. Tell I me mean, where—I know your name is Chelsea is your real first name. Where did Gucci come from? Well, so I was christened Chelsea after a Joni Mitchell song, Chelsea, Chelsea Morning. Morning. yeah. And that gives you a little bit of an insight to my parents being hippies. Um, but then we moved to the ashram, and you get given names in the ashram. And mine was Guru Charan, which means he who sits at the lotus feet of the guru. And we actually ended up legally changing my name because everybody has called me Gucci since I was two. So I don't—nobody's ever even called me Chelsea, not even my mom and dad. So. You probably wouldn't answer if someone yelled no, Chelsea I wouldn't. down the street. I mean, I wouldn't. And and now it's funny because of this wild, wild country. Obviously, there's, there's more information on, like— ashram and all mm-hmm. that but we weren't in that type of ashram thankfully mm-hmm. but um it was a kundalini ashram it was different from the rajneeshis <laughs> you reminded me of something very funny about the song chelsea morning yeah and that Joni mitchell album because i my mom had that album and i listened yeah. to it over and over as a kid yeah and when i finally figured out when i thought i knew where chelsea was mm. and i came to visit new york i'm like i'm on eighth avenue on 22nd street i'm going this is what Joni Mitchell was singing about? I know, what's wrong Little with her? Little did I know there was another Chelsea. Yeah, there's probably so many Chelsea's. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Chelsea. Um, thank you so much, Jason, and to Barney's and everybody who made this happen. It was great. I'm super excited to be at Barney's. So are we. Thank you. So look for Westman Atelier launching exclusively at Barney's New York in early July. I know I have many clients on the wait list who are clamoring to get their hands on these products. The Barney's Podcast is produced by Barney's and Transmitter Media. If you like what you hear, rate it and review the show. It helps other people find us. One more thing. This is the last episode of the first season of the Barney's Podcast, and we had an amazing time making it. And we hope you liked it, too. We'll be back soon, so stay in touch by following us at Barney's NY. It was a Chelsea morning. The first thing that I saw was a rollerblader in hot pants. <laughs> That's awesome, Chelsea. Yeah, that was—I'm happy that wasn't me. I don't think I'm a Chelsea. <laughs>